Welcome to the Liberty Block. I'm Alu Axelman. I'll be doing the intro today for Steve, whose voice is getting a much needed break right now. This is the Conservatarian Exchange podcast on the Liberty Block every Wednesday. We're streaming on Facebook Live, hosted today by some of our regular panelists, Steve Axelman there, my dad, Ed Maslish, Mike Proto, and myself, Alu Axelman. I think that's all we have for today. Ed, Mike, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, guys. Good to be here. Thanks. Thanks for hosting for us, Alu. Yeah, so I jumped in kind of at the last minute, so I've barely had a chance to look at the show notes. As always, we have like a thousand interesting stories here. Um, but the first thing that we'll go to Ed, who's our unofficial senior financial and legal advisor, to tell us what's going on with Bidenflation and let's go Brandon and interest rates. I think I heard rumors that the Fed was going to or did increase interest rates by 0.75 today and whether that's enough because obviously they didn't increase it by 20%, which would be necessary to save the economy and they can't anyway. So what, what's going on with the Fed's interest rates and what does all that mean? Well, the Fed did raise interest rates three quarters of a percent. They're up, it's up to, I think, three and three quarters right now or three and a half. I forget the exact number. Um, with inflation running officially at 8.6% and unofficially at 15 to 20%, uh, three or three and a half or four or even 5% interest rates really don't make a dent in, uh, in inflation. Uh, that being said, as I watch the markets this afternoon, stocks are going higher. The tenure is going lower. Uh, I think people are at least temporarily fooled into thinking that this is going to combat inflation. Uh, I'm just waiting for the next bad inflation number to come along, and that'll tank the, the markets again. Uh, fundamentally, I think that, uh, well, I won't even speak theory. I mean, just think about what inflation means. Inflation means that your dollar today is worth less tomorrow because they're eroding, because the, the printing of extra dollars allows more people to bid up the price of goods that are out there. And it, with inflation, in order for inflation to be defeated or wrung out of the system, interest rates have to be higher than what inflation is. As long as inflation is higher than what interest rates are, you're gonna have continued inflation. You're gonna have, people are gonna continue to expect bigger raises, uh, banks are going to want to charge more for loans, uh, creditors are going to want to charge more for loans, uh, prices throughout the economy are going to go up. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to not use technical economics terms, you know, people who are, in, who are creating businesses who are purchasing inputs, why, why pay for it today when you could pay for it tomorrow with a cheaper dollar? So it's going to lead to a slowdown in economy, and it's but it's also going to lead to prices continuing to go up. And uh, the only way to ring, well, the, the 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 most important thing that could be done to ring out inflation would be to cut government spending, because the government spending is what's driving the need for them to print money in the first place. Um, but there's no appetite on either side of the political aisle to reduce spending, um, and without reducing spending. The only other way that you can get rid of inflation is by crashing the, the amount of money in the system by withdrawing dollars from the system and destroying uh, the number of dollars that are chasing the number of goods, the same goods in the system. That If there are fewer dollars chasing those goods, the prices are going to come down. It's just a supply and demand issue. Um, but so 
the only way that they can uh, that the Fed could theoretically crush inflation would be to raise interest rates. Probably, I mean, at eight point six percent, you probably need about 15, 12 to fifteen percent interest rates. But nobody believes the the government's official numbers. Most people think it's fifteen to twenty percent, which would mean you're probably going to need twenty five to thirty percent interest rates in order to wring inflation out of the system. But just look at the numbers. I mean, at a $30 trillion debt, every 1% increase in the rate in the interest rate means the government pays an extra $300 billion in interest payments every year. So a 3% raise would be almost a trillion dollars, be $900 billion just in interest payments. It's going to crash the economy to try and wring inflation out. Um, unfortunately, the economy is going to crash anyway from the, from the effects of inflation. So the Fed is kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. The issue is, do you want the do you want the coming recession to be the result of inflation or the result of crashing the monetary supply the way the Fed did in the 1930s and and having a deflationary depression? Um, I don't think policymakers are going to want a deflationary recession. Um, most of them don't want to be blamed for high unemployment, so. Uh, my expectation is that sometime over the summer, Jerome Powell of the Fed is going to throw in the towel. He may, he may try and raise rates once or twice more, but I don't see the Fed continuing the fight against inflation. I see capitulation. And, uh, I, and I think that all the signals we were getting from the Biden administration about uh, infl that persistent inflation is going to be persistent and it's going to be high, uh, I think that's, that's a telltale sign that they're not going to push the Fed to engineer a deflationary recession. They're going to go for inflation and they're going to try and use the inflation as they've been doing already to try and implement the Green New Deal and get people to buy electric cars. That's my what take. What I love is that when politicians say last month, the, the year to, over the last year, 12 month inflation was 8.6 and now it's 8.5. So it's going down. So inflation's going down and it kind of gives people the wrong perspective because they hear the word down or decrease they don't realize that 8.5% inflation per year or whatever it is, is still extremely high. And it still means that you're being robbed of at least 8% or really, like you said, 15, 20% is probably the real inflation. You're still being robbed every year, but you're being robbed a tiny bit less quickly or less so. So when people say decreasing, I, I always caution people because they, they hear decrease. They think it's a good thing. Yeah. Like kinda, inflation kinda, is slowing down. Kind of like reductions in the rate of increase, right? When it comes to budgetary spending. Yeah. Yeah, I said that exact sentence so many yeah. times on the budget committee. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Ed, you, you said uh, you talked about a crash a little bit. What exactly happens when the economy crashes? And then what does the Great Reset look like? Or should we ask Klaus Schwab? Well, I mean, the, the implicit assumption of your question is that somebody is able to control what the crash is going to look like and it's going to be able to control things that happen afterwards. Um, Klaus Schwab thinks that he can control it. So does uh, BlackRock and some of these other large entities. Um, I don't think that they can control everything that comes through the Great Reset. Um, when you have mass destruction, it's usually hard to control and contain. Um, but what's, what's coming, <clears throat> well, I shouldn't say what's coming. What they, what they say in their own words that they want is for them to basically own everything and that we're going to become a renting society. Uh, home ownership is going to be difficult to have. 
Uh, it's going to be difficult to get things like meat uh, because they don't want us to be eating meat. Uh, I think that the food shortages that they're engineering are in part to condition us to want less meat. Um, yeah, again, you can buy an electric car, but what's your alternative for food? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. they're going to tell you what their alternative. They're mm. going to try and tell you what their alternative is. Oh, starvation. Soy or beans or something like that. Mm. Bugs. Bugs. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, too, because, you know, we discussed a little bit yesterday, Dave Ramsey, you know, who's a well-respected a uh, guy when it comes to financial issues claiming that housing prices are going to continue to go up for the next five years. So Ed, how does that dovetail or jibe with your position that, um, you know, they're going to stick with inflation and prices are going to go up or is the housing market just like totally different animal? No, I think that, I think that ultimately asset prices are going to be, are going to be maintained. Uh, not because I think in real terms, they're going to, they're going to continue going up, but, Inflation is going to give you nominal values that increase. The difference, you know, to, to use non-technical terms, um, if if the money supply doubles and all prices, including the price of the house, including the price of your salary, including all prices, double, uh, your your five hundred thousand dollar house is now going to be priced at a million dollars. You're no richer because everything else is is also twice as expensive but you're poorer but you, what? you're actually poorer because your property tax goes up and your income tax goes up <laughs> in percentage not just in value so well, you're well you income tax is a little bit different because since reagan they've tried to index the brackets for inflation uh but you're right some taxes will go higher based on be on the higher nominal amount um but as a you know just to help people understand it though uh you don't get richer just because your salary doubles and the value of your house doubles and every other price and the cost of dinner doubles. If all the numbers double, then you're basically in the same spot. Um, in reality, you're probably going to be worse off. Just that's the nature of inflation. Um, the people who get the money last wind up in a worse spot than the people that get the money first. Um, but I think that it, it depends on what the Fed does. I mean, if I'm wrong about the Fed and the Fed is willing to engineer a deflationary depression, which is really what is necessary right now, we need to cleanse the system of a lot of malinvestment and bad investment. Um, you know, people are, are, have been putting money in using this fake money that's been created by the Fed over the last 12 to 20 years. Uh, and they've been purchasing assets that have shot up in value that needs to be cleansed out of the system. Uh, but I don't think they want, they're going to want to do that. So if they go and they fall back to inflation, they're going to, the, the value of the assets, including the housing market, I think will ultimately continue to, to rise uh, just only in nominal terms, which means the dollar number. But the, the real wealth, your actual wealth position is not going to change at all, except for one thing. If you already own a house and you already have a mortgage, the mortgage is still the mortgage. I mean, if the if every price in the economy doubles, right? You know, using my example of a minute ago, if you have a five hundred thousand dollar house, and you know, and you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, and then next year, you know, every price doubles, and your five hundred thousand dollar house is a million, and and your salary went from you know a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand, your mortgage is still four hundred thousand dollars if you put twenty percent down. So that isn't going to double. So inflation always helps debtors 
and it hurts creditors. And that's a, that's the primary reason why governments tend to like it so much because governments borrow lots of money. And right now our government has borrowed $30 trillion with no interest payments for the last oh, 12 or 13 years since 2008, 2009. Um, so they, they have a, a tremendous staggering amount of debt and no ability to repay it. The only real way they can deal with any kind of repayment schedule is to erode the value of the debt through inflation. That's their strategy. That's, that's part of the strategy. Green New Deal is another part of their strategy. So uh, option C is defaulting on that debt, is it not? I guess that's- It is, that not, is not, not, is that Is that actually a worse scenario than the other two? In other words- well, I mean, inflation is a form of defaulting. It's like a slow default. Um, it depends on what you mean by worse. I mean, would it help solve the problem faster? It would probably help solve the problem faster. It would make the U.S. much less, you know, make the U.S. government much less credit worthy and make it more difficult for it to borrow money. In that sense, you know, you, the people on this panel will probably think that's pretty good. Most of our listeners will probably think that's pretty good. I don't know that everybody else in, in the country or even in the world would think that's pretty good, but. Um, I'm sure the Chinese would love it. Uh, I mean, the, the dirty secret is almost every other country's monetary policy is even worse than ours and their finance, their government's financial positions are worse than ours. You know, I shared with you guys privately what's going on in Japan. The yen is is about to crash if it's not crashing right now. And the Fed raising interest rates three quarters of a percent is only going to exacerbate the problem that the yen is facing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right now, Japan has been in, in the economic doldrums for a long time. Uh, they have not recovered at all from COVID. And they have maintained interest rates at 0.25%. Uh, the U.S. is over 3% right now. So just on the basis of three, you know, let's just say 3% versus a, 20, a, a quarter of a percent, most people would say, let's get the 3% asset, the 3% bond. But on top of that, the dollar is appreciating against the yen. So people are selling yen. There's a, a lot of pressure on the yen. The yen is at a, as of this morning when I looked, the yen was at a 24-year low uh, and it's continuing to go lower. There's a lot of pressure on the Bank of Japan um, and, and it's a systemic problem. This is not some uh, something that's just a, a glitch that, that's going to get corrected quickly. Um, as long as the, the interest rate differential between US bonds and Japanese bonds is as high as it is, and today it just got higher, and as long as the US dollar is actually appreciating already against the yen, think about what you would do if you were a Japanese investor or you know, Japanese you know, uh, insurance company or some, you know, some institutional investor in Japan. You can get a higher rate of return by buying a US treasury than a Bank of Japan note. And on top of the higher interest rate, you're going to get an appreciation in the, in the currency appreciation. So you make a lot more money by selling your yen and buying a dollar denominated asset. That's, that's just, that's going on in Japan. Uh, it's going on in other countries as well. Um, in the financial world, uh, there's a saying that the dollar is the, the least dirty shirt of all currencies. Fiat currencies are, are, are generally considered bad. Um, Nobody defends what the U.S. Fed and U.S. dollar policies have been. 
But the rest of the world's fiat currencies are, for the most part, in much worse shape than even the dollar is. So, um, and for other reasons relating to the dollar being the world reserve currency and the petrodollar agreement that Kissinger negotiated in 1973. Um, the world needs dollars and wants dollars. I mean, not just the Kissinger petrodollar agreement, but also the Bretton Woods system in general made the dollar the world's reserve currency. It made the dollar convertible to gold and everything else convertible to the dollar. So um, the dollar is sort of the, the strongest of all these weak fiat currencies. Um, so even with all the inflation we're having, if you look at, for instance, the, the dollar price of gold, gold has not been doing what you would expect it to do with the level of inflation that we're having in this country. But the reason for that is uh, the dollar is actually getting stronger against almost all other currencies around the world. Um, so anyway, but China, you know, the Chinese won't be happy, but what, what the Chinese have done with their monetary system, they've got a bigger financial asset bubble than we have. And when, when there's pops and there, I mean, we've talked about, some of their property management firms going going under uh, in the last eight to 10 months, um, they're in some bad shape too. And, you know, it's not clear what's going on with the lockdowns in Shanghai. I mean, I know that they loosened them up at the beginning of June, uh, but there are things going on in China that we outsiders don't really know. Uh, but as a, you know, to speculate a little bit about them, they, they may be having some serious problems. And, you know, we don't know exactly how they're trying to address them, but uh, something's going on there. Something. Going back to what you were saying about the, the yen and how the currencies balance out, um, the yen versus the dollar, I think that's what my dad was was talking about when he wanted to ask, doesn't that keep everything in an equilibrium as far as basic supply and demand as things get stronger and weaker? Do things get in equilibrium or is it more complicated or is that not how it works? Well, I mean, things get into equilibrium, but I mean, what are the things, what do you talk? I don't know what the question is. What, what is, what's getting into equilibrium? Okay. So the Japanese buy the dollar. Doesn't mm -hmm. that strengthen America's financial position overall? Right. The dollar gets stronger. So that's what, what I mean, that's what I mean by equilibrium. Well, equilibrium is just the market clears. You have this, you know, you, you get a price that, you get the same, you know, you get buyers and sellers, you know, finding each other. But that's only a tiny bit of upward pressure on the dollar from Japan, a little bit. But everything else is putting downward pressure on the dollar, right? So. Well, what do you mean by everything else? Things like what? What they're doing with, with Let's Go Brandon printing by the trillions every day in the United States. There's even more money in printing in, in other countries. I mean, that's Japan is engaging in a gigantic amount of money printing. Not even not even currency compared to the yen, because I know that we're the, the least dirty shirt, maybe the United States, but compared to let's say assets or you know, what, whatever asset, um, that there's a lot of downward pressure on the dollar that far outweighs the Japanese yen being weaker and they're buying more dollars. Or or is everyone buying dollars? The world seems to be buying dollars. Okay, okay. Right now. Um, and Inflation at home would put pressure on the dollar to bring it down. It weakens the dollar for all the reasons we were saying. If you're, if the value of your dollar, you know, if they print dollars and those same dollar, those dollars are chasing the same number of goods, those dollars are less valuable 
within the United States and purchasing goods and services in the United States. But it's a world market. And when you're talking about buying things around the world, the dollar in comparison to almost every other currency is, has been strengthening. And it's putting a lot of pressure on other countries because they're not able to maintain their zero interest. I mean, other countries have not only had zero interest policies, some of them had negative interest policies. They're trying to push people into spending, uh, but they can't do that if, if, if their savers can just go and buy a US do dollar denominated asset, you know, then, the, the, then that puts a lot of pressure on other currencies as well. Very interesting. Okay. I, I want to move on from the financial stuff because it's already been um, like 25 minutes of just financial stuff, which is awesome, but we have a million other topics, unfortunately. But I guess the last question is, with the massive amount of inflation, why is crypto and gold and silver still in the gutter? That's a great question. Um, crypto, crypto is, it, it, I, I would treat them separately because crypt, gold, gold is a real asset and it's not just a real asset, but it's a hedge against inflation. Um, frankly, I think it's bizarre that gold has not gone higher. Um, whether there's market manipulation at play, which there are people that say that that's what's, that's what's going on, particularly that the monetary, monetary, uh, not monetary, paper gold assets are being used to manipulate the real gold price. Um, I don't know. I mean, th there apparently have been some cases on that, um, but I'm only repeating secondhand information. I'm not familiar directly with those cases. Um, but crypto is not, most people think that crypto is, is not a real asset, that it's just another fiat currency, not backed by anything. Um, but at the same time, even though it's not backed by anything, it also it was designed as a hedge against inflation and, and as a hedge against debasement of fiat currencies. And it doesn't appear that there's debasement in, the, in that market. Um, the only explanation I can, I mean, the two explanations I have are that um, as, the, as the market generally starts to tank and as the Fed, as the we don't know exactly when the Fed began tightening and began. I mean, it's been raising interest rates, but uh, qual quantitative tightening is supposedly either about to start or has already started. So if they're with, if they're withdrawing money from the economy, um, it's putting pressure on people to possibly have to liquidate positions. Um, can you explain that, that? And can you explain how they do the tightening mechanically? How do they tighten? How do they get money out of the economy? they sell assets off their balance sheet and people who want who get those assets turn over dollars to the to the fed and then they bring and them the dollars then come out of circulation okay um, it also what also happens though is <clears throat> when prices start when asset prices start to go down assets that were bought on margin whether they were homes that go into foreclosure or stocks that were bought on, bought on margin um, they get foreclosed upon and they wind up being sold for less than what otherwise would be free fair market value. Um, and you have, you know, liquidation sales and, and it, we're not having mass liquidations right now, but, um, I, and, and I haven't looked at what, what's going on in the, in the uh, margin call business right now, but uh, one possible explanation is that there's just uh, there, there are call positions are being close, you know, when I say positions being closed, I'm using technical term. And what I mean is people have bought things on margin 
And then when the value of those assets go down, the, the people, the, the brokerage houses that have loaned the money in order for these people to buy stocks on, on margin, they look and they say, oh, the stocks are no longer going up. The value of the collateral has gone down. So you need to give us more money. And in order to get more money, the people who borrowed didn't have the money in the first place. So in order to get money to meet what's called a, what the margin call, they just sell the underlying asset. And that puts more pressure on the selling side and it further lowers prices. Okay, that's one, one possible explanation for crypto. Another, another possible explanation for crypto is that people are shorting it. That, that there's, a, I don't want to say manipulation because that sounds more sinister and nefarious, uh, but there are people that are just, the same way you have gold bugs, you have people that are anti-crypto and just think that it's fiat, it's fiat, it's fiat, and it doesn't matter that it's private, it's still fiat. Um, and there are, it, it's possible that there are people that just keep shorting, short selling crypto. Then you could short the crypto. Price I don't even know how to do that. Um, I'm not sure exactly the mechanics of doing that right now either, other than, I mean, the general way you short something is you borrow it from someone, you sell it in the marketplace, yeah. and then down the road, you have to buy it back. And then Yeah, there are some it. ways to borrow crypto. So someone could do it on their own if they manually borrow and then sell and then return. So it could be done manually. Um, I think you can do it through, well... Yeah, I mean, there's probably you some have to do it through out a, there who does I don't it. know how Coinbase works. If you can do it through a crypto wallet, um, maybe we can find somebody who's a, who's more of an expert on that than I am. But. Throw a rock in your hamster and you'll hit a crypto expert. Yeah. So what would be the incentive to buy the debt that the, the Fed is holding? And we know that they have trillions, right? I mean, it's more than ever before. So, <laughs> you know, what? Incentive is you don't think the U.S. government's going to default. And they're paying a higher interest rate than almost anybody. But we do know that there's a de facto default, which is inflation, which is a de facto progressive default. And everyone knows that. Okay. We're talking about, you know, people like us that, you know, you know, you have thousands, 10,000, 100,000, maybe somebody on this panel has a million dollars. I don't know. But, you know, if you talk about, uh, you know, institutional investors that are trading billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars, what are they going to do with their money? They have to put it somewhere. They're not going to put it in their mattress. Okay. I mean, if, if you're an institutional investor, Alu, then I don't know. I mean, do a lot of them really do. Help? And I'm hearing, you know, Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Trump himself, they have gold because they're smart. Yeah. But, but real estate, obviously real estate, gold, other stuff, other big assets by companies. Yeah. And, and stocks and ETFs. All right, that's more, that's more than enough economics lesson that my brain can handle one day. Just to Thank sum you. it up, we're pretty much still doomed, right? Oh, yeah, we're all doomed. <laughs> you know what? I hate saying it like that. because got to wrap it up. Mike, I hate saying it like that because I, I, I truly believe that if you drastically cut government spending, yes, we'd have a, a brief and deep recession, but we wouldn't be doomed. We, this is solvable. Okay. Life is serious. I, I, I repeat, we're doomed. doomed. We, we, can, we can do it, but... It's, I mean, it's not that we're doomed. It's not that it's not that it's it's inevitable. It's okay. that the decisions that are being made are are bad okay. ones, and they're being doubled down on. But it's 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 doubly worse because we're talking about okay, cut spending, but then you have all the unfunded liabilities with baby boomers retiring left and right. Cut that <laughs> spending too. Okay, but it, it 
it's future spending, right? I mean, there's one thing in, in the All the discretionary spending, there's zero chance DC is going okay. to <laughs> suddenly become fiscally conservative. Zero chance. Yeah, and it'll be really politically. Right. I'm just, I was just objecting to the fatalistic view. I mean, the reality I, I is I, we can I, deny it for a while. We can try and, and keep those unsustainable, unfunded liabilities on the books, but eventually yeah. they are unfunded and there's no way we can pay them all. So eventually they will be defaulted. So why not just say we're not going to pay them? We're going to cut that program. I mean, uh, the, the Nestor case from like 1960 or 61 specifically held that there's no entitlement to a social security check, right? They can cut that program tomorrow and it doesn't matter how much you contributed to it. Your money's gone. There's no private account. George W. Bush tried to do a sliver, like, like 5% or 1% of your, of your social, of your FICA contribution would, would go into a personal account with your name on it. And mm-hmm. he got pilloried and it didn't pass. Right. There is no personal account with your name on it. You know, Al Gore is a liar. He said that there should be a lockbox. There is no lockbox. There never has right. been a lockbox. But, you're, but again, you're kind of making my point. They're not going to want to cut spend. Well, until I mean, again, I don't want to. I don't want to be negative. I'd love to find some sort of reason to be well, positive or optimistic here. But well, at some point, they won't have a choice. I mean, the market will eventually defeat them. You can lie for a while and you can get away with it, but at some point. Bernie Madoff gets caught just the way it is. All right. Can we talk about gun control for a minute? Why? It, uh, <laughs> are you favor? Are you in favor? <laughs> Actually, I am. Uh, HR 7910 passed the U.S. House. I hope it passes the Senate. And I hope Let's Go Brandon signs it because that will make secession more reasonable. So I'm going to pull up HR 7910 here in a second. So I think I wrote an article a few days um, ago when it passed the House. You're going to get I, red flag. You're going to get red flag for this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I've said enough things out there and written enough books to get me red flagged. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about that book because Tucker Carlson pretty much endorsed my book, which is which is awesome. So a lot of people who, who are smart but think they're smart but are not that smart say it, it takes 60 votes to pass the Senate. You need 60 votes. They only have 50 Democrats. They need 60. They're never going to get anything in the Senate, which I never understood at all. There are 95 Democrats in the Senate on almost every single issue. For gun control, there are around 90 Democrats in the Senate, so they have more than 60. Um, what's interesting is they had 50, and they just had 10 more, which makes 60. 10 more Republicans came out and said, we love gun control. We're working on this bill. It'll be bipartisan, whatever that means. And um, so, so the Senate version of H.R. 7910, I guess, that these 10 senators, the biggest rhinos, from Mitt Romney to Murkowski and Collins, but also John Cornyn and Lindsey Graham, who some think are Republicans. They're, they've been Democrats for decades. So... Um, I don't know if you guys are following HR 7910, but it passed the House. I think they had separate votes on various versions or various parts of the bill. And um, so they ha- they banned bump stocks and bump firing, which bump firing is an action that you can use a belt loop or a finger to do it. So they banned that. It would ban um, straw purchases, already illegal. You can't buy a gun and lie on a form and buy it for someone else. It has to be for you. It's already illegal, but let's, let's ban it again. Um, banning 18 to 20-year-olds from... Um, owning a semi-automatic rifle. Um, they can still be drafted, but but 18 to 20-year-olds. I forgot where in the Constitution, I don't know if it's Second Amendment, where does it say that the right to keep their arms shall not be infringed for those over 21 years old? I forgot where exactly where it says that, but I know it says it somewhere in the Constitution. Um, they also um, ban magazines that hold more than 15 rounds. I think there's a provision in the Constitution that says that it can be infringed if magazine has more than 15 rounds. I think that's in the Constitution. Um, and then, oh, it, 
it says your uh, gun has to be locked. So you can't even keep a gun in your house unless it's locked, meaning it's not usable in self-defense because it's not quick enough. Another one that GOA, Gun Owners of America, said apparently somewhere in the bill, they they seemingly, with the language, criminalizes disassembling and cleaning and reassembling your gun. So you can't clean your gun anymore unless you have an FFL, which nobody has. Um, so that also apparently is in the bill and, and I think passed as well. So have at it, guys, because I'm the pessimist. So you know my perspective. I hope it all passes. I hope Brandon bans all guns in the universe by executive order, by passing a bill or whatever, and then we can finally secede. I want to know, my first question is, how in the world can you say that an 18-year-old can't, is, is not competent to buy a gun, but a 12 or 13-year-old is competent to, to decide to take puberty blockers without his parents' consent? Yeah. Well, five-year-olds can transition. Um, if, if anything, okay, five-year-olds five transition. I mean, I mean the, the, the inconsistency is just so stark and blatant. This is clearly not about protecting people. This is about disarming us. And they're just trying to get whatever low-hanging fruit they think they can get. Period. Yeah. And of course, the, the big story here is just like Alu was referring to. It's the Republican Party never stands up for what their base wants to. So it's like constitutional rights. Eh, who gives a crap about that? You know, we're just going to do whatever. And it's just flummoxing. It never ends. Well, what never ends? I mean, the Democrats are doing what they're supposed to do. They're fighting for their agenda. I'm not talking We're about the Democrats. I'm talking about the Republicans. This Republicans the, have no agenda. I mean, course. that's what, what's the, the, the purpose of the Republican Party is to anesthetize the public and to make us think that everything that there is an opposition. And, and but instead, the Republicans just I, give cover for the I Democrats know. to do what the Democrats want to do. Yeah. So red flag laws is in this as well. It was lower down on my page. The vote for that part of the bill is 224 to 202. Um, so I think a few Republicans voted for it as well. The red flag. And then Tucker Carlson went on a monologue about due process. Obviously, the whole book I just wrote, I'll plug the book for a second if you guys allow me. It's all about due process. And obviously, Ed wrote the forward. Thank you. It's about due process. So there's a whole chapter about gun rights and red flag law is a big part of that. And I explain every single Republican um, or, or seemingly every Republican has endorsed it. The only person in D.C. who has said they don't like red flag laws is Thomas Massey. Rand Paul's endorsed it. Ben Shapiro's endorsed it for the media side. Everyone else. Rand Paul endorsed it? Yeah, he said, he said we definitely got to consider red flag laws. Yep, yep. Again, all of them. Thomas Massey is the only human in the universe I know who's, who's elected or anything on the right side of the spectrum who doesn't love red flag laws. So Tucker Carlson played a monologue saying red flag laws violate due process. And I think we can yeah. play that clip if possible if you want to try to play that. Let's see if we can get this. So a lot of Americans, not surprisingly, now say they want red flag laws. And why wouldn't they? Like supporting Black Lives Matter or fighting climate change or getting the COVID shot or standing with the brave people of Ukraine. Red flag laws seem like one of those ideas that no decent person could possibly oppose. You want crazy people to have guns? Of course you don't. Who would? So naturally you're for red flag laws. And in fact, we may soon get red flag laws across the country. So what would that mean if we do? Well, two things you should know. First, red flag laws will not end mass shooting, but red flag laws will end due process. Due process is a simple concept, but it's the key to everything that is good about America. In our system of justice, citizens cannot be punished without first being charged with a crime. Politicians cannot just decide to hurt you, throw you in handcuffs, lock you in jail, seize your property, simply because they don't like how you think or how you vote. No, 
before they punish you, they have to go through a formal process in which they describe which specific law you broke and exactly how you broke it. They have to prove it. For serious crimes with big penalties, the government has to convince a group of your fellow citizens first. It's called a grand jury. And this government must convince them that you deserve to be punished or they cannot proceed. None of this is new. This is the way we've done things in America for more than 200 years. And it's exactly why we have and have always had the fairest justice system in the world. People well, Alu, as I as I shared with you before we went on the air live today, there was a Supreme Court decision a little more than a year ago, last May of 2021, that struck down red flag laws. Uh, it was it was uh, the case is Coniglia versus Strom. Uh, I forget the state from which it came, but the facts of the case were that uh, a man and a woman, a, a husband and a wife were having an argument. The husband went into his bedroom, pulled out his revolver, put it on the table and said to his wife, just shoot me and put an end to it right now. I remember I heard something about this a while ago. She said, no way. I'm going to go into a hotel. She spent the night at a hotel. She tried. I think she tried to call the next morning and couldn't reach him. So she called the authorities to do a welfare check on him. And the opinion is not clear whether welfare just just means check and see that he's okay or. If they called a welfare agency, I don't know. But regardless, she and, and two police officers went to the house to see if he was OK. The police officers said they wanted to bring him in to do a psychiatric evaluation to ensure that he wasn't going to commit suicide. He said, I will agree to do your psychiatric evaluation as long as you don't touch my guns while I'm gone. And they said, OK, they took him away or one of them took him away. The other one went and, and with the help of the wife, took his guns and he sued to get his guns back and said it was an unreasonable search and seizure. And if you can believe it, the Supreme Court ruled nine nothing. And it was one of the shorter, shortest opinions I've ever read that in less than 10 pages. I think four of them or five of them wrote opinions. Uh, Thomas wrote the majority. Uh, Alito wrote a concurrence. Kavanaugh wrote a concurrence. Uh, I think there was one other opinion, but uh, and it was it was maybe 10 pages long. It's the shortest Supreme Court opinion you'll ever read. Um, and they just said, no way, you can't you can't do this. This is I don't think that the facts of this case of this are even similar enough to a typical red flag law being executed to say that the, the Supreme Court said nine nothing red flag laws are legal. This was done. There wasn't this wasn't a red flag procedure. I don't know if it was in a state that has it or not, but this was cops went to a guy, checked on him said, we'll take you for a psych eval. He said, okay, if you don't touch my guns. And then they came in and the check, they violated the purpose, his... the, check, the purpose of the check was, we think you're a danger to yourself or others. That's what a red flag law is. Yeah, but it, it's it's a procedure and it's officially called a red flag law. You know what I mean? This, this wasn't an official red flag execution. This was a welfare check where they went in and illegally stole his guns without a warrant, which is disgusting. It's way more despicable than red flag laws, which people have legitimized and said, well, the state legislature passed a law and you know there's a procedure and they're really dangerous. Um, they're dangerous and crazy and all that. And then you can take their guns. So I, I don't think that this would, again, I wish it would, but I don't think this would prohibit all red flag laws. Um, but what are the others, the legal people saying about it? Because if, like you said, a Supreme Court struck it down, then it should be gone in all 50 states because this is the Supreme Court, right? It is and it should be, but but it's not. You know, Biden said that 
that forcing people to get a, a vaccine was unconstitutional. And then he changed his mind and he took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And then they, they gave him half a loaf. They gave him one victory and, and one defeat. So um, why do they do it? Because they think they can get away with it. They pretty much do. I mean, go back to McCain-Feingold. If you go back and read the, the statement that President George W. Bush issued in, in his, his signing statement, he specifically said that he expected the Supreme Court to strike down parts of the law as unconstitutional. But overall, I think it's a good law, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass... I'm going to sign it and let them strike it down. I mean, someone who took his constitutional oath seriously would have would have would have vetoed the bill and said, send it back to me with the constitutional infirmities. Remember what crazy people like me said years ago in my first book, Blueprint for Liberty? Imagine there were punishments for the politicians who violated the few laws they do have, the Constitution. Imagine if they were punished for proposing unconstitutional legislation like, you know, for instance, all gun control laws. They're not punished, so why not pass a bill? And if the courts strike it down, so be it. And Biden, again, Biden recently said, oh, we'll have a vaccine mandate. By the time the court strikes it down, it'll be in six months. So who cares? Then we'll deal with it then. Right. People will be vaccinated. Exactly. They don't, they don't care. Because there's no They're punishment. Mm -hmm. And like a certain co-host in my top left always says, people do what they get away with doing. And that's based on the psychology of decades. It's people do if they get away with it, they'll do it again. Pretty so, <laughs> I think my dad just said that the a Senate committee already passed the magazine ban part. So it's already in the Senate, this bill, I guess. I'm Rhode Island. That. Rhode Island. Oh, Rhode Island. Oh, Providence. Uh, I guess that's in Rhode Island. Gun control laws, New, Senate committee. New, yeah, Jersey probably, New Jersey probably has most of this stuff already. Yeah, New Jersey already has a limit of five or ten rounds <laughs> in the magazine, but yeah. guns are already almost totally banned there anyway. For all intents and purposes. That's so, um, cool. all right. So we saw the video of Tucker Carlson endorsing my book and saying, oh, Lou's awesome by his book. So I'm glad we got that. The only other gun control thing I have in my mind right now, besides that all gun control laws are unconstitutional and immoral and should be abolished, is right now in New Hampshire, I know you guys all know about nullification. We, I love nullification. Um, a few states, 10, 15 states have nullified federal laws. Some are very strong. In Missouri, they really nullified like all federal laws. So if you make a suppressor in Missouri and sell it within Missouri and it never leaves the state, they tell the feds, get out of here with your Commerce Clause BS of um, Wicker versus Filburn crap, extending Commerce Clause to everything in the universe. It's not interstate commerce. Suppressors here do not require a tax stamp. ATF, get out of here. So, so Missouri has a really good nullification law. In New Hampshire, the House had, we, we had a Senate Bill 55 last year, got killed, I think, um, somehow got killed. This year, House Bill 1178, the House amended it and made it super weak uh, nullification law. It says the state and local police shall not assist federal law enforcement in um, enforcing unconstitutional gun laws, meaning all gun control laws. Um, but the, then the House poisoned it themselves. Usually the Senate, which is more, more uh, anti-liberty, usually they poison it. The House amended it to say, unless there's like a suspected crime involved and the feds want to investigate a crime, which pretty much says anyone could say there's a potential crime anywhere in the world. And then the, the whole bill is meaningless because then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They're all exempt. Um, then it passed the House and Senate. I testified in the Senate, asked the Senate committee to amend it back to make it a real bill and not poisoned and weak. They passed it like that. It's it's heading to the dictator Sununu's desk around, right around now, this week, next week. Um, people want to go crazy and send them letters to sign it. And I'm like, dude, this bill essentially does nothing because it, it says state police and local police can or shall um, not assist federal law enforcement with gun control. But it gives them an excuse to do it if they want to, which I assume most cops, 99% probably want to enforce gun control and help the feds and work with FBI because they'll feel cool. 
um, if there's like any potential crime in the universe, then they can do it if there's a crime and if it's not just a gun control thing. I don't know. So I, I want to hear what you guys feel. I think the bill is essentially meaningless. I'm not going to waste a lot of time calling and begging and emailing the governor to sign it. If he signs it, that's okay. But the bill essentially does nothing. It was poisoned and neutered as, as happens many, many times. I, think, I mean, even if the bill weren't declawed the way you described, I mean, the way to solve that problem is to elect better people at the sheriff's office and at the local level. It's That's not going to be a legislative solution. You're going to need a you're going to need to solve that problem at the sheriff's office. Not That's a great the, point. Um, I, I do want to talk to our sheriffs and local police. My police chief is pretty good here in town, um, and, and, and they do some local policing. But the sheriffs here do very, very little. They mostly just take care of, like, tra prisoner transport uh, corrections stuff and a tiny bit of other stuff. Maybe help investigate homicides. They whoever, do right whoever would be charged with, with gun confiscation, whichever executive agency. Yeah, probably my police maybe, chief. Like, the, the, the police chiefs, Exactly. Okay. Yeah. No, I should talk to them. I've been meaning to ask her next time I see her if, if, you know, she would enforce gun control or assist the feds or how much she would assist them. Cause I'm curious. That, that would be a good question. Cause she knows me. She sees me with a good relationship and I'm always carrying and I assume she's not super anti-gun, but I'm, I'm curious if she would assist the feds or would she support her people in her town? That's a good question. All right. We have a thousand other stories that some people put on the spreadsheet, this um, show notes, unfortunately. So take your pick. We have immigration stuff, global warming stuff. Price gouging. Press gouging is not a thing, so. <laughs> no, I, I find it really funny that uh, all these leftists are now trying to go after the, uh, the big oil companies. Uh, they're price gouging. But, uh, you know, obviously, why, why wouldn't they have done this before? Why, why did they suddenly wait, got greedy yesterday. Wait? Yeah, why did they wait un until now? But here's, here's the funny thing, which I did a post on my, my Facebook about this, and I'm sure it was shadow banned because nobody seemed to comment on it. <laughs> It's just the fact, the fact that these leftists want to go after the big oil companies while, you know, they're accusing them of, you know, uh, excess profits and all this stuff. You didn't hear anything about Pfizer and Moderna, you know, raking in the profits after, you know, mandating the vaccine. Well, they were saving lives. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, it just goes to the heart of it, which is the left. Leftists it does go to the heart and give you some heart yeah. attacks. Leftists are always consistent in terms of what advances tyranny. And if it helps to advance their authoritarian ways on attacking big oil and getting the Green New Deal, then that's what they're going to do. But if it also helps, uh, you know, advance their agenda when it comes to mandates on masks and vaccines and lockdowns, then it's OK for Pfizer and Moderna to rake it in. I wrote an article about what you just said, Mike. Can I try to share my screen? Yeah, sure. All right, let me see if I can figure out how to do this. Are you guys seeing this? The socialist bill, one, House bill, Senate Bill 138? Okay. You guys see this? Awesome. So yeah, I wrote an article a year ago in 2021 during Corona fascism in New Hampshire. Democrats proposed a bill, I think it failed, or no, bipartisan bill. And it's pretty disturbing because it says, um, it's an act relative to consumer protections against profiteering in necessities and it essentially outlaws um, excessive profits, whatever that means. It says more than yeah. like 15% above what the normal cost was, obviously, with especially with severe Biden inflation, things should be going up by 10, 15% to, to um, uh, stay consistent with inflation. And it says, and it applies to all um, necessities. And, and it lists some things, you know, Band-Aids and food and other stuff and diapers and, and um, pretty much everything else in Walmart. So everything is pretty much a necessity. So many, many items. 
and you can't raise the price by more than 15% over the course of, I don't know how long, it doesn't specify, I don't think. Um, and let me see if the bill passed. I mean, this is a year ago, I think it failed, but yeah, it's, um, oh no, it was amended and totally rewritten with non-germane amendments. So good. So it was rewritten as a totally different bill about metal contracts, I believe. So the bill mm. was killed by amendment, which is rare in New Hampshire, I think. But yeah, very disturbing yeah. bill and it was bipartisan. So I, I probably have the sponsors here, probably a few Rhino sponsors. And again, just a terrible bill. That's why I had to write an article about it. It was so disturbing. It said, it said uh, profiteering is bad. You know, during a time like this, Corona fascism, you shouldn't be excessively profiteering off of necessities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it was disgusting. Me meanwhile, who gets the most money off of a sale of a gallon of gas? The government. Of course. <laughs> I just have to comment. Price gouging and laws against it is about the most anti-private property thing ever, is it not? Yeah. Well, it's also, it, it, it's that, and it's also harmful to the consumers. You know, I mean, the simple way to think about it is, you know, if there's a, a hurricane and everybody's clamoring for gas, it's better to, that four cars get a quarter of a tank than one car gets a full tank. Bingo. And that, that's the whole point of how the price is going up. And I mean, it's just supply and demand. It just so happened that the, the demand skyrocketed because, you know, there was a natural disaster or something. But it, it plays well to the audience and it sways rhinos. Yeah. Well, you, you have to have a target to attack and it's usually, you know, corporations. All right. There are a lot of stories here about free speech. Again, I didn't even get a chance to look at this until now. Who put this here? Well, I, I have a suspected mind of who put all this stuff here. Um, but which were the important ones you guys want to talk about? I see we have DeSantis here. We have Dictator Hochul here. Who else? Whoever put these here can go ahead and talk about their story if they want. Well, the other interesting thing, obviously, about the red flags, which is stating the obvious, which is they're going to use it as a political weapon. So it's interesting, the story this week about the, uh, the gentleman who's running for governor in Michigan. That he was at, he was at the, the J six protest and they and they arrested him right so you know obviously if you're a J six protester you're going to get red flagged and come for your guns yeah well did you see what what nuke me Swalwell said about Ben Shapiro no so you guys know Eric Swalwell I love him he said he would nuke me to take away my guns so that's awesome um, good thing that he's distracted by a Chinese spy. So uh, he retweeted Ben Shapiro's uh, tweet, like from years ago, Ben Shapiro pretty much said, you know, it was a bit radical for Ben, who's usually a little bit more milk toast. And um, he said, if you have my kids in a school, locked in a government school, shoving LGBTQ stuff down their face and transitioning them at five years old, and you are not letting me take them out, I'm going to have no choice but to leave the country or pick up a gun. So he said that, which makes sense for kidnapping their kids and shoving this stuff down their throat. And then Swalwell said, of course, you know, he deserves a nuke. So, um, so he said, Ben Shapiro is the exact kind of person we need to use red flags on. So let's red flag him. So now Ben finally being, getting smart after years of being the smartest man in the world after 10 years or whatever, he finally realized he should leave California. I think a few months ago or a year ago, he moved, I believe to Tennessee, some Republican state. So definitely right. better than, than California. Um, but what's so funny is that again, I have here in the book, and I always bring my receipts like Danny Bongino. Um, I have Ben Shapiro's quote saying he supports considering red flag laws. So again, obviously, I, I hope he sees the error of his ways and starts reading Liberty Block. Because um, again, it's scary. He supported them and now it could be used against him if Eric Swalwell um, can, 
you know, can never stop sleeping with the Chinese spy and getting power, uh, more power, or be president one day or something and red flag him. I mean, the thing about red flag laws is we already have civil commitment proceedings on the books in all 50 states. If someone is truly a danger, initiate the proceeding. Move forward, show your evidence, give them due process. I mean, it's possible to disarm a person, but do it through the through the constitutional means that are given to governments in, the, in this country. Uh, there's no need to just disarm people without a hearing, without a chance to present evidence, without even, in some cases, a chance to uh, confront your accuser. I mean, some of the red flag law proposals allow... Ed, you froze up a little bit. We lost any guns. You a constitutional right to confront your accusers. Yeah, and by the way, it's the same with um, restraining orders. Seemingly some or all restraining orders, they're all uh, ex parte, non-conversarial. What's the word? You can't um, um, uh, see the person in court and uh, non-adversarial, that's what it is, non-adversarial hearings. Um, Pretty much all of the restraining orders. So either the first or the second hearing for the first week or first uh, first few days or week or whatever, non-adversarial hearings. So you're punished. In fact, you don't even know there's a, an order or a restraining order out against you. Police come and like take your guns and say you can't contact a person. But if you contact them before you, the police even tell you about the order and serve you with papers or something, then you go to jail. Um, so just restraining orders, again, a whole chapter in the book, because they seemingly 100% of the time violate due process big time. Now, eventually, a few weeks later, you can hire a lawyer for a million bucks and try to fight it maybe and present evidence. But for the first week of that proceeding or whatever, there's like zero evidence. You have no chance to defend yourself, meaning there's no due process. And by the way, in New Jersey, the restraining orders, because Ed and I were doing some research on this for the book. And in New Jersey, the way the restraining order works, no offense, Mike, but let's say the order is over. So some are temporary, some are indefinite. Most have, have some timeline. Even when it's over, the, the ban on owning guns and some of the restrictions last either till the ban is over or at least one year, whichever is um, longer, I think. Something like that. So it's at least one year. So if there was an order and it was a mistake and it's nullified in three days, I can't touch a gun for a year. So thanks, New Jersey. So again, I lose my, my gun rights for a year with zero due process. Well, the good news is that Newark and Camden are now perfectly safe to go to. Thank you, Cory Booker. <laughs> <laughs> so it says here, dictator Hochul on Wednesday announced plans to create a police unit designed to in part combat hate speech in the wake of the tragic shooting in Buffalo, promising to confront the epidemic head on. I didn't read this article. I assume someone here did. This is Breitbart.com. Um, yeah, hate speech is a big issue. Obviously, the Buffalo shooter, like all other shooters, I'm sure was a conservative white supremacist. I think someone else again in the administration of Let's Go Brandon said white supremacy. Yeah, I think it was the uh, Attorney General, Merrick Garland, I guess, said white supremacy is the biggest threat to us. So there you have it. He wouldn't lie. And you're all white. So this is a pretty dangerous crowd right here. hmm. Goes without without saying. It depends on how you identify, though. Yeah. Well, I'm actually Asian. And I hold citizenship in a country in Asia. So does that mean I'm not white? Uh, it yeah, depends no, on what the meaning of white is. I identify. Uh, as, I'm not a biologist. Do we have a biologist yeah, exactly. handy? I actually identify as a biologist sometimes. <laughs> so I, I assume my dad put the uh, Dictator Hochul article here. Um, he could probably tell us more about that. 
but there were some other disturbing articles here. Well, we need to talk about the great ratings that the J6 committee got this week. I, I haven't even considered flipping on, I don't know if it's on TV <laughs> or YouTube or whatever. I honestly have not thought about it. Um, I haven't considered watching it. I don't know if anyone is. Yeah, what are the ratings? I assume they're, they're pretty low. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I, I, all I know is I didn't tune in. And we know it was a dog and pony show. But speaking of red flags and uh, lack of due process, I, I give you the J6 committee. Not being able to face your accusers, rotting in jail. A whole article about January 6th. Yeah. But Julie Kelly wrote a whole book um, called January 6th, I believe. It's a pretty good book. Um, yeah. We also saw the mockumentary. Um, there was a showing in one of the theaters here at a Chunkies, I think, in New Hampshire. And like 30, 40, 50 conservatives, libertarians went out to it. They actually let me speak for a few minutes before. So I just said secession again and again until, the, until I stopped speaking. Um, but I spoke about the process and secession and the book coming out. Um, but the movie, what was it called? You guys know what the movie was called? Um, it was made by, by a pretty funny filmmaker, a Hollywood guy who's, um, damn, I wouldn't remember the name. It was an interesting name, but it was very funny. It was about January 6th. Uh, Steve Searcy, I think was his name, something Searcy, Nick Searcy. Um, very, very funny. And he interviewed a lot of the guys and, and I learned a lot. I didn't know most of the exact cases. He interviewed like the 80, 86 year old ladies who I think were sisters who were like, arrested the other guy um like a young hispanic couple i think with, with a daughter i believe like raided with uh, men swat teams tanks busting down their back glass sliding door to the kitchen busting in kicking their butts in the middle of the day like with like you know massive swat tanks ridiculous raids for the january 6th afterwards um, unbelievable thing so that movie was was super disturbing um it was a fun time watching with a lot of liberty people here well i think we discussed the, the hearings last week you know, there's not a whole lot for me to add. There's no legislative purpose behind them. They're completely fraudulent. They're completely illegitimate. Um, if there's a crime that's that's been committed, DOJ should investigate it. Geo, DOJ should go to the grand jury and they should ask for an indictment and yeah. they should lay out their evidence. So for those who don't, who aren't following Ed exactly or who aren't lawyers, what Ed is saying is Congress, so hearings are normally in court, the justice system, judicial, Congress can have hearings and subpoenas and stuff, but only if there is a real legitimate legislative, meaning bills, laws, purpose. So if there's a purpose, like they're legislative creating or thinking of creating a law, if there's a purpose related to legislation at hand, they can have hearings and maybe subpoena or whatever. But for this January 6th, there's in the past, they're not thinking about a new law. Maybe they're thinking about a law, you know, kill all Trump supporters, but probably not a specific legislation in the works. So it's not legitimate, should not be legal for them to have these, these fake ridiculous hearings. So they really should not be happening is what you're saying. It's outside the bounds of their oversight. Exactly. Well, there is no oversight. They're not, there's no oversight whatsoever here. It's right. That's they, they don't prosecute crimes. They legislate what is a crime and it's a separation of powers issue. They have no authority, no jurisdiction. Uh, you know, I had a debate with a leftist this week who, who maintains that the Congress can investigate anything it wants. That's patently untrue. It's just not, it, it's false. Congress's powers are limited. It can only do what it's authorized to do in Article One, Section Eight, and there's no there's no purpose that that could be served by these by this inquiry. I mean, and insofar as there theoretically could be a purpose, we already have a law on the books for sedition and treason, and mm -hmm. I mean, th there's no legislative purpose whatsoever, and and they're not even pretending like there is one. This is all about 
trying to prosecute Trump and Trump supporters. Because they know that 99.99% of people, I think, don't know what legislative means. And again, this is the problem with government schools. I say this in every article and every book. I say, if, if we all learn in first grade in government schools, which we don't anymore, if we all learn in first grade or watch Schoolhouse Rock, that the legislative branch, three branches, legislative makes legislation, which means makes bills, makes laws. The judicial branch is courts and does justice. And the executive branch executes the law and does, you know, enforces the law. Very, very simple. And again, I, I actually learned this when I wasn't in any school. I was in, in uh, Baltimore as a baby and then I was in Israel. But I learned and then I came back to Jewish land and I actually saw a Schoolhouse Rock CD that my cousins put in the computer and I learned the basics. I'm only a bill, you know, very, very simple. But I learned the basics. But if, if people, I'm telling you, I think 99% of people don't have brains in, in their skulls in the United States. Say legislation and they have no clue what you mean. Say Congress is a legislative branch. They're supposed to make legislation. They're called legislators. Again, most people, even lawyers and legislators and, and political analysts don't know those simple things. If they don't know what legislative versus judicial means, nobody besides like maybe Ben Shapiro on a good day and maybe five others in the country, you know, then, then we, we're not even, people can't even get close to understanding legislative purpose. So again, that's why, and again, thanks to government schools, which I think 95% of kids attend, although there's some good news and I'll try to find a picture of apparently enrollment in government schools is massively down in many states, maybe all states. New Hampshire leads the way, 4% decrease, I think year over year, I believe, in government school enrollment. We are leading the way in homeschool. It's one more reason why it's the free state, fsp.org, libertyblock.com, and we'll explain why we're the free state. I think the issue from the hearings uh, apparently, Miss Cheney was very upset that they didn't make criminal referrals. Anybody follow that? On her or? <laughs> no, apparently one of the big people, Benny something or another, the head of the committee, Thompson, I think. Benny Thompson. They weren't going to make criminal referrals. And apparently she was very, very upset about that. Man, it, it's just fascinating how off the deep end she's gone, boy. Unreal. Well, her, her primary is, is coming up. Alu, you used to live in oh. Wyoming, right? When do they have a when do they have their primary? No, that was laser. Um, I know. Oh. it's gonna see you, but, uh, I you didn't live out there too? No, no, but but I visited and again I spoke to the people and they all said the same thing. Cheney has the most money, she's probably gonna win. She's not a good conservative. They were supporting someone else in the primary and she won. So they predicted she shouldn't win, but she will win. And that's what happened. Again, I'm such a pessimist. I think she's going to get reelected. She's going to win the primary. Uh, She'll do whatever she has to, to do with the primary. And then she's definitely going to win the general. Again, call me a stupid already, pessimist. I don't care. That's fine. But do they already have the primary or is it or is it coming? No, they didn't have it yet. Oh, OK. I think we would have known. I heard she's behind the polls, but it doesn't matter. right? Again, Cheney runs Wyoming. It's just the last name. It's a dynasty. And that's how it goes. Sununu up here, he is so unpopular. He has plummeted. His popularity is like 10, 20%. The unofficial actual rating among everyone is like 20% among conservatives. Among Republicans, probably 25%. Everyone hates him, but he's probably going to win the primary and probably going to win the general because he's the best we have and he's the only one who can beat the Democrat. I've heard all this crap a million times. But again, that's how it goes. I know my dad talks about it a lot. The worst, they yeah. made sure the bad ones were the primary. And by the time you even blink and look around you, it's time for general and you've got to pick. A terrible rhino or an even worse socialist. The apple doesn't I just, I just looked it up. The Wyoming primary <laughs> is August 16th. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we should you're have- You sounded just like your dad. All the deals are made in the back rooms by the yep. power brokers and the primaries are meaningless. Well, if we can't, yeah, get, rid so of, if we can't get rid of Liz Cheney right now, 
then I, I have to say your dad's completely 100%. So, so when, when Liz Cheney wins the primary, Mike and Ed and the rest of you guys who aren't as pessimistic as me, will you, will you <laughs> reconsider the, the validity of my um, argument in favor of independence because we can't save anywhere, even Wyoming? I, I'm not Some saying I really... have sworn an oath, Ali. <laughs> Some of us here have sworn an oath and intend to swear more oaths when we get licensed in, in new states. So uh, I'm a little constrained by how I would answer your question. You can the fifth. I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> Is anyone following New York politics at all? Apparently the young Republicans just endorsed um, Giuliani over Zeldin for governor, which... Mm. Is anybody following this at all? I didn't even know Giuliani was running for governor. I thought it was Astorino and Zeldin. His son. Oh, his son. Oh, his son. What qualification does he have? His name is Yeah, his last name. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sort of predisposed against dynasties. So, yeah, well, I don't blame you there. Zeldin actually decent? Was he a congressman from Long Island? I think Zeldin was decent. Astorino is running, and he's not bad. He also. Yeah. Has there ever been any dynasty that worked out well? Well, I don't know about worked out well, but the Adams dynasty wasn't too bad. The Adams family. (laughs) I mean, they they both wound up being the the first presidents to not get reelected. So, I mean, maybe it didn't work out well even for them, but... Yeah. No, I, I don't want to talk a lot. And even though this is a totally inappropriate story, but right before the show, I saw MTG did a rumble ripping into Christina Aguilera. And I don't know if anybody is following what Christina did. No. Just Google oh. it. Maybe. I heard something about her, I think, but I don't know what. But I'm going to find out right now. I... um. She wears red latex bodysuit and yellow bustier and more sexy. Is that it? Um, Pride gig? Don't say gay. No, no. Oh. Far worse. Don't say gay law. Well, Christina well, takes aim at the don't say gay law. Just you could you could um MTG actually played a lot of the videos. Dressed <clears throat> up with a um a strap on. Yeah. And did these unbelievable portrayals. I just think our culture is so far gone. Oh my God. Yeah, there's a picture here. Wow. I'm glad she spoke about it. You want to put the picture up, Al, who said he thinks I'm not crazy? Uh, I thought you said it's a family show. Right. And as the chief ethics and morals advisor of the show, I, if you want me to, I can. But MTG actually said, do not watch this if you're not an adult. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty disgusting. I know my libertarian friends would say, you know, which is fine, but I'm, I'm a little bit more. Again, I'm not talking about laws. I'm talking about culture. And I do think that humans should be adults and not animals. Um, so I wouldn't bring my kid to this. Yeah, it's disgusting. Well, she's she's um, rubbing it. Yeah. So that's enough of that. I won't be showing it to my kids. So, you know, some liberals and maybe libertarians will be upset at me, but I'm not going to show it to my kids. You know, um, yeah, the culture, we all know it's it's um, horrifically about as disgusting as it gets. And it gets more disgusting every day. That's why we need to separate and we can have our individual communities and my community will not be like that. Have any of you guys seen the Top Gun movie? I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that it's a really good cultural indicator. Yeah, but I've also heard from libertarians and anarchists that it's 
just more pro-government, pro-war, pro-military propaganda, yay, military. And actually, they, they did the first Top Gun and this one when the signups for especially the Top Gun unit of Air Force uh, fighter pilots was low. And they needed to recruit. And they always get, whenever they do these movies, way a big bump in recruitment because people, you know, it, they're the protagonist. And I'm sure it will be the same. You know, you kind of want to do it because it seems cool and patriotic and, and heroic. So they do this. And in fact, the military, and, and I have this on pretty good authority, and I'm sure we can find sources for it. The military actually conspires with Hollywood. When Hollywood wants to borrow an F-15 or a tank. They say, well, lend it oh, to you, but we want to sure. see your script and make sure that you portray us in a positive light. Um, in fact, and the military pays for some other advertising. like at the NFL sure. stuff. We, we can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And, if, you know, people are gravitating towards it because there obviously is a pro-American message that people are salivating for and they're not getting for the most part. They're getting quite the opposite, right? Yeah, right. That's what I think. I think it's a good cultural sign. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen it yet myself, but I've heard some good things about it. I generally wait for these things that get to TV and <laughs> streaming. <laughs> With the price of inflation too, I can't afford to go to the movies. Thank you, FJB. I, I think the biggest cultural issue though is, is free speech. And, you know, we, we allude to it every week and there's, you know, various different stories. You know, you, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, someone mentioned a little while ago about pride month and, you know, I mean, that's that's almost a new religion that you have to worship Pride Month and worship the, you know, not just acceptance of homosexuality, but uh, make it a, a national holiday. Um, and and I think that's really that's really the front line of, of the cultural war right now is, you know, whether you can whether you're free to think that January 6th was a protest or an insurrection, whether you're free to think that uh, the election was stolen, whether you're whether you're free to to say that uh, that Leah Thomas is a is a man, um, Leah Thomas being the transgender swimmer who, uh, you know, it, it, I think it the, you know, was a Penn State uh, swam in all the women's races and, and annihilated them all. Um, the the real cultural issue right now is free speech, and you know Matt Walsh had that movie that he released, What Is a Woman, um, and it got good reviews. I haven't I haven't seen it yet, but um, that's where the battle really needs to be fought culturally because, um, censorship may be by definition, something that comes from the government, but, uh, in practice, what's happening is we're, we're being forbidden to think for ourselves, you know, and that's true, you know, about whether the vaccines are effective, whether the vaccines are safe. I mean, and, and in the end, it doesn't matter whether it's coming, whether the coercion is coming from the government or from big corporations that are in bed with the government. Um, the freedom to think is, is the cultural barometer of whether America is strong or not. And, you know, we, we, we all remember Hillary Clinton saying that, you know, this is America and, and we have every right to disagree with this or any other administration. And, you know, I mean, and I mean, we all make fun of her for, for the shrillness of her voice, but um, there was a lot of truth in that statement. And it's something that we need to remember. And it's, you know, it's and again, it's not just about whether the government is muzzling you. It's whether you are free to think for yourself. And well, I have some pretty good news on freedom of speech front. I don't know if I told you guys, I, I might have told my dad, um, my friend Ian Freeman, one of the founder, co-founder of Free Talk Live, a big radio show syndicated across 190 stations around the union and a podcast I listen to and stuff. 
um, Ian Freeman, the main host, won the Talkers Magazine Gene Burns Freedom of Speech Award, um, which apparently is like a pretty big um, annual uh, talk radio show conference convention they have every year. And the magazine gives out an award for freedom of speech for the best, I guess, broadcaster. Um, and Ian won it this year. And ironically, because he was so outspoken in his speech against the government, he was targeted and charged with, with crimes amounting to um, decades or centuries in prison for using and selling cryptocurrency, victimless crime. And because of those punishments, he could not go to Manhattan to accept the award to New York. Um, so his uh, co-founder, Mark Edge, accepted it for him. So because of his free, free speech, he was not allowed to leave. He has pretrial bail conditions. He has an ankle bracelet. He can't leave the state. So very interesting. He wrote a speech. He wrote, he wrote what he would have said if he would have been able to go. And he kind of roasts the other talk radio guys, like, thanks for the award. But if you guys really support free speech, where were you defending Julian Assange and all the others and me and a lot of others for freedom of speech over the last few years and decades? So very interesting, but I'm glad that he won the award. And I just watched the video of Mark Edge and the crowd loved his speech because he said what Ian wanted to say on his behalf. Um, and the crowd loved it and applauded it. And he said everyone there was really sent their best wishes for Ian Freeman. So the talk radio community, some are on the left and right. But I do think that talk radio people, from what I've seen, at least in the past, do support freedom of speech more than their counterparts in the non-talk radio industry. So that's good, at least a little bit. Well, you know, I, I think we've gotten to this point. Um, well, let me point out one of the um, stories in the show notes was Governor Hochul, right, in, in New York, Steve that she was looking to form a police unit against hate, hate speech, right? And for years now, we've had laws against hate, hate, hate speech. It's, it can be a crime, they can come after you, but that's an ultimate violation of free speech. We're, we're free to think anything and say anything, even if it means, if it's hateful and they've criminalized it, you're supposed to go after people when they actually commit a crime. They do something, not when they say something. And we accepted that for a long time. So, you know, you keep moving that Overton window and people start to accept more things that we, we absolutely shouldn't. But culturally, obviously, we've got major issues in terms of free speech and we're under assault. People like us are under assault. Okay, I guess I'll give a chance for everyone to talk about whatever they did not get a chance to cover that we had in the show notes because we barely scratched the surface of them. <laughs> and Ed, can you also speak to the Dobbs decision on abortion was, was going to be released like now, but they're pushing it off. Is that right? I didn't hear anything about what did they say? Who, who said they're pushing it off? I don't know. Some expected it today, I thought, or yesterday. And then I heard it's, it's nothing yet and it might be pushed off for, for some time. I don't know. I, I still think that, that they're, that, Alito is tightening up the language and maybe the concurrences are tightening up their language. Um, I know that there are people that think that the intimidation is, is going to work. I think it's going to work the opposite direction. I think it's going to make for a more strident opinion. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't think that the intimidation is going to work on these guys unless somebody really does kill one of the justices. If that happens, I think, then- it, I think it would work a little bit. And it, it's simple. I tweeted this a while ago. Brett Kavanaugh should carry a gun. Everyone should. His wife should carry a gun. His kids should carry a gun. It's that simple. Especially well, when in you Maryland. are. What's that? Kavanaugh lives in Chevy Chase, Maryland. So I don't know if, what the gun laws are there. He can probably get a, a permit. You know, I don't know. But I think it's that simple. Why does he need a permit? I mean, 18 USC 1507 is abundantly clear. Mm-hmm. Merrick Garland should be arresting these people. 
They don't have a right to even peacefully protest outside of the judge's home. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's so outrageous what's going on. Um, and the fact that our, our side is taking it, uh, that's a bad cultural sign to me. Um, I, I do think that if, God forbid, something happens to Kavanaugh or one of these justices and we have a 4-4 decision, uh, I, I do think that, that the right would revolt over perceived cheating mm-hmm. to keep Roe v. Wade in place. Uh, there aren't a lot of things that I think are going to motivate the right, but I think that would be one of them. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I don't expect it to be released until the last decision of the term, which will be right around two weeks from today or tomorrow. Oh, well, I love when people say that, that Maryland has a Republican governor and he should do something again. We all know he's a Democrat. Uh, pretty much everyone in that whole area is very, very far left. That's why he's not doing anything. A governor like DeSantis would probably do something. It shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't be partisan like that. I mean, is it is is, it, is the Democratic Party opposed to an independent judiciary? Are leftists opposed to an independent judiciary? I mean, protecting justices from being intimidated in, in their decisions should not be a controversial issue. It should be even for a rhino, even for a Democrat governor, th- that should be um, it should be unthinkable that you're allowed to try and intimidate a justice. And, and I don't understand why our side isn't isn't doing something about it. I mean, you know, it, Mike, we, you know, we're, you know, and Steve, you're in New York. You know, uh, Curtis Lewa and the Guardian Angels were formed precisely because the police weren't doing their job. The mayor wasn't doing his job in the 70s in New York. So the Guardian Angels were formed to protect people uh, as a sort of, uh, you know, goodwill vigilante group. Um, they weren't taking revenge, but they were protecting people where the police were supposed to be doing it. I don't know why Gun Owners of America doesn't just start uh, setting up patrols around the house of, of, of Kavanaugh, uh, you know, and around, you know, Amy Barrett's school, you know, her, her home and, and her kid's school, which the, that information was made public as well. For what purpose, other than to try and intimidate her and her family, could that information have been made public? I mean, it's obvious. So, you know, that's a bad cultural sign to me. I think that they should be protected. Uh, I know that there was news this week about, uh, you know, special funding to, to, you know, have protection for them. There was a bill in the House, right? Yeah. And Pelosi was holding it up. And, you know, yes, she should be ashamed of herself for what she did. But why is it necessary? I mean, we already have all the protection that we need for them. I mean, this is this is what happens. You know, we talk about things like the border and gun control. And I mean, we have plenty of laws on the books that that would stop the problems. I mean, we don't need more laws. We need enforcement of existing laws. And by the way, if if Kavanaugh or any of them are hurt or their families, Chuck Schumer needs to be criminally charged. And then, you know, he should be criminally charged anyway. I think it's solicitation to to commit a crime. Yeah, I thought he or someone else literally said, we know where you live. He definitely said you unleashed a whirlwind. But I think it was Schumer. That was, he said, we know where you live. No, he didn't say we know where you Um, live. He said you have unleashed a whirlwind. And you will pay the price. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's way more of a threat than a walk peacefully and patriotically. Like, again, objectively, any judge would agree, not leftist crazy maniacs, but a judge would agree that that is way more of a threat than walk peacefully and patriotically. So that's that's not even disputable. All right, Mike, before we wrap up, do you have anything else you want to get to that was important? Yeah, we touched on a lot. So. All right. That's pretty good. So I did an all right job filling in for the primary host. Yeah. <laughs>
I mean, I'm not asking to get paid as much as he gets paid. As long as you have me back to sub once in a while. <laughs> we don't have any Bitcoin for you to pay you in. So. I like silver alufins. That's not alufin. There you go. Well, Steve, I hope you feel better. Ed Powell, I hope you're back next week. Gino, Gino I hope you're back next week. On a full panel. And, uh, I look forward to another week on the show. And yeah, uh, right. for, hey, uh, happy Juneteenth to everybody. Want to throw that out there. Thank you. All right. And happy Pork Fest. June 19th is the anniversary of the execution of the Rosenbergs. That's what we should be celebrating. Cool. All right. Thanks so much. As my dad always says, I'll try to say what he says. Same time, same place next week, even though we upload it like Wednesday night. Um, check out our podcast. It's any podcast catcher, the Liberty Block, SoundCloud, but any podcast catcher, iTunes, I believe also, Odyssey, Rumble, Facebook, YouTube, everywhere else that our stuff goes. Check out libertyblock.com and we'll see you all next week. If you have input, please email us at the conservatarian exchange at libertyblock.com or if that's too long for you, alu at libertyblock.com works as well. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. And we'll see you next week.